In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the internationally acclaimed OGGN HSE podcast. Heard in over 134 countries and sponsored by KnowledgeVine. KnowledgeVine is a leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. KnowledgeVine is committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. KnowledgeVine is the evolution of human performance. And if you want to learn more about human performance, then register for the second annual Human Performance in Action Conference sponsored by KnowledgeVine and the HP Community of Practice. It's going to be held in Houston, Texas at downtown Hyatt Regency, April 17th through the 19th. The conference theme is Identifying and Managing Risk, the Science, Data, and Application of Working Safely. And my listeners can get a discount by using the code OGGNHSE podcast. Well, the other day I got an, a random email from a company called weeklysafety.com. And this isn't a free advertisement for them, but they did make me aware of something that I want to talk about today on the podcast. They said that April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And since they encouraged me to, uh, share their thoughts that they put together on it via various different social media vehicles. I thought I'd use this podcast as a vehicle to share some of the excellent summary that they put together on distracted driving. But before we do so, just because April's Distracted Driving Awareness Month, any month should be an emphasis on driving safely as workplace crashes They are the number one cause of workplace death. And so before we get specifically into this niche of distracted driving, since we're talking about driving safely in general, I want to talk about three bugaboos. And you might guess what the first one would be when it comes to driving safely, and that is alcohol impairment and all of the risks and dangers associated with that. One of the things that is pointed out on the National Safety Council's website a lot of good information about impaired driving and driving safely in general and distracted driving can be found on their website at nsc.org. But one of the things that's often overlooked by U.S. employers is the fact that the cost for alcohol-related problems is not just the fatality aspect, but it also, as is always the case, whenever you promote safety, and we shouldn't have to say this, but it Bears repeating, keeping employees safe not only protects the employees, but it is related to so many other cost savings. For example, U.S. employers bear the majority of the cost for alcohol-related problems and higher premiums paid for their employer-based health insurance. We all know that over time, heavy drinking contributes to expensive medical conditions such as liver disease, stroke, and cancer. And these, of course, ultimately impact employer health care expenses. But keeping employees safe always reduces overall cost to the company, whether it's your health insurance, your auto insurance, your liability insurance, property damage, and even employee retention. But since more than 25 fatal accidents with blood alcohol content levels of greater than 0.08%, out of these fatal accidents, 
more than 25% are caused in all states by people with blood alcohol contents of 0.8 or higher. And in 10 states, it's greater than a third of the percent of fatalities involved in fatal crashes. Interestingly enough, certain groups are more likely to drive impaired other than others. And you might guess this, 21 to 34-year-olds were overrepresented in fatal crashes involving alcohol, with next being 35 to 44-year-olds who were also overrepresented, but less though than those ages 21 to 34. Interestingly, 79% of all drivers involved in alcohol-impaired fatal crashes were male, and alcohol addiction often goes hand-in-hand with substance abuse addiction as well. And substance abuse disorders affect 20.8 million Americans, almost 8% of the adult and adolescent population. And when you include family members of those those affected, nearly one-third of the U.S. population is impacted by addiction. While 75% of these people are part of the workforce, most employers are unaware of the hidden costs associated with these problems. It's estimated that the yearly economic impact is over $442 billion. In addition, the cost of alcohol-related motor vehicle crashes in 2010 was estimated by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration at $201.1 billion. However, in the United States, only one in 10 people with a substance abuse disorder obtains treatment. And there's a connection between impaired drivers and drivers' misuse of alcohol and other drugs. To reduce the risks of impaired driving, employers should provide the means for employees and dependents who have problems with alcohol and other drugs to seek help. Not only that, to avoid these significant costs, employers can assist employees in receiving treatment for a substance abuse disorder. Here's some things that should also be involved in a recovery-friendly workplace program. You should have a clear and written policy. You should have employee education to reduce the stigma aspect of having this disorder. There needs to be supervisor training. You need to put employee support programs and access to evidence-based treatment into place, and you need to require drug testing. Something else that is often overlooked is social drinking at work. Impairment begins with the first drink, and even lower amounts of alcohol consumed during a meal or other social event can result in impairment while driving after the event. However, alcohol is sometimes served during work-related meals and events, and it's even encouraged when entertaining clients. It's often a part of events like sports games, happy hours, fundraising dinners, and holiday parties. Since alcohol is a factor in nearly four of every 10 work-related crashes, to prevent impaired driving crashes, employees should be sober when driving. You can reduce the risks of employees driving under the influence of alcohol both on and off the job by enacting a company-wide sober driving policy. Your policy should clearly state that employees may only drive when they are sober, whether on company time or not. A conviction for driving while intoxicated will not be tolerated and consequences for not following the company's sober driving policy should be identified in your policy statement. And ideally, this policy should be extended to guests of events hosted by your company. If that's not possible, there are several ways that employers can reduce the risks of impaired driving after social events. Here's a few key points. You can provide sober designated drivers who don't drink any alcohol. 
encourage the use of taxis, rideshare, and public transportation. Even considering that you cover the cost of this alternate transportation, it will save you in the long run. Limit the number of drinks by issuing drink tickets and schedule drinking earlier during an event, like a pre-dinner reception, and serve alcohol-free drinks during the dinner. Do not offer open and unsupervised bars or other access to alcohol at events hosted by your company. Designate sober staff specifically to monitor alcohol consumption among the event attendees, particularly as guests leave for the parking lot. Ask guests to turn in their car keys if they plan to drink so you can assure guests are not intoxicated when they pick up their keys. It's important to know that employers who serve alcohol may face liability as hosts if an event attendee crashes after leaving the event. Well, let's go to number two and let's talk about seatbelts. And you say, well, surely we don't need to talk about seatbelts. Everybody wears their seatbelt, right? Well, the vast majority of people do wear seatbelts these days. And that's the good news. Nearly 90% of people uh, riding in vehicles were wearing seatbelts in 2018, according to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. And that data showed that in 2017, seatbelt usage in passenger vehicles saved almost 15,000 lives. The safety benefits of seatbelts are clear. The simple fact is wearing a seatbelt is the single most effective way to prevent death and serious injury in a car crash. Drivers and passengers who buckle up are 45% less likely to die and 50% less likely to be moderately injured in a crash. However, when we say that 90% of people riding in vehicles are wearing seatbelts, that means that one in 10 people are still not buckling up and thus are vulnerable to injuries and deaths in car crashes. And odds are that some of your employees are among some of these one in 10. Interestingly, the people who are less likely to wear seatbelts are younger males, commercial truck drivers, pickup truck drivers and passengers, passengers in the car seat, and teens. And let's talk about all five of these groups. Younger males, men ages 18 to 34, are less likely to buckle up. They believe that they are less at risk. For this population, you need to have prevention campaigns which focus on stronger enforcement of seatbelt laws. Employers could follow a similar strategy by passing policies that require seatbelt use during work-related driving and enforce compliance with these policies. Now, with regards to commercial truck drivers, by law, commercial motor vehicle drivers must wear seatbelts. Passengers in uh, large commercial trucks now must also wear seatbelts. But according to a 2013 study of these commercial drivers, 84% of medium and heavy truck drivers and bus drivers were wearing seatbelts, but that means 16%, of course, were not. Among passengers of these commercial vehicles, 73% were buckled up, and seatbelt usage among drivers and occupants in vehicles identified as part of a fleet were, interestingly enough, higher than for independent owner-operator. But while so many companies in the oil and gas industry employ large fleets of pickup trucks, the lower seatbelt use in pickup trucks, 83% in 2016, is quite worrisome. The fact of the matter is, in fatal crashes, pickups roll over twice as often as passenger cars. If a pickup truck rolls over during a crash, seatbelts increase the odds of survival by 80%. Pickup truck occupants are at risk of getting ejected, and most vehicle occupants who are ejected do not survive. 
And according to the National Health uh, Transportation Safety Association, people not wearing a seatbelt are 30 times more likely to be ejected from a vehicle during a crash. And more than three out of four people who are ejected during a fatal crash die from their injuries. Employers with pickup trucks in their fleets should emphasize the need for wearing seatbelts. Pickup truck drivers who are making many stops may be less likely to wear seatbelts due to wanting the ease of getting in and out of the pickup truck, but they expose themselves to greater risk of injury or death if a crash occurs. Adult passengers in the rear seat are less likely to be buckled up. And rear seat passengers may be less likely to buckle up in taxis and ride-sharing vehicles, and this is dangerous even for short trips. Fatality rates are higher in the back seat than in the front because front seat passengers are protected by airbags and other safety engineering improvements that are less available in the rear seat usually. In addition, unbelted rear seat passengers especially become missiles in the vehicle during a crash. Even one unbelted passenger is a danger to everyone in the vehicle during a crash. All passengers should buckle up in every seating position during a ride, particularly if you employ teens who drive as part of your workforce. It's important to influence them to buckle up on the job. Teens are less likely to wear seatbelts than adults. In 2013, over half the teens killed in crashes were not wearing a seatbelt at the U.S. Department of Transportation. And then here's one that's very important. We all know that alcohol and substance abuse is impaired driving. But drowsy driving is also impaired driving. Sleep is a vital factor in overall health and safety, but more than one in three workers are sleep deprived. Fatigue decreases our ability to think clearly and remain attentive and vigilant. Drivers who are tired or fatigued are much more likely to make critical errors resulting in crashes. 21% of fatal crashes involve a drowsy driver. More than 6,400 fatal drowsy driving crashes occur annually, and people are three times more likely to be in a car crash if they are tired. Alarmingly, driving while drowsy is common, however, according to the National Fleet Foundation. More than half of U.S. adult drivers admit to consistently getting behind the wheel while feeling drowsy, and about 37% admit to falling asleep behind the wheel, while 13% admit to falling asleep behind the wheel in the past month. Many researchers compare drowsy driving to drunk driving. That's why we call it impaired driving. So losing even two hours of sleep is similar to the effect of having three beers. The crash risk for driving on four to five hours of sleep is more than four times higher than someone who has slept seven hours, which is the same crash risk as a drunk driver with 0.08% alcohol concentration. The National Highway Safety Traffic Administration estimates that fatigue-related crashes result in injury or death, costing society $109 billion annually, and that's not including property damage. So drowsy driving and workplace fatigue are interconnected. Many people drive as part of their job duties. Motor vehicle crashes are the number one cause of workplace death, as we said at the beginning, and fatigue is a prominent factor in crashes. Second, most people drive to and from work every day. Fatigue acquired during a shift can manifest itself on the roads in the form of drowsy driving. Fatigue can be caused by sleep loss, time of day, as well as repetitive tasks and job factors and medical conditions and lifestyles. Employees most at risk of fatigue are shift workers, those who work the night shift, long shifts, rotating shifts, or irregular shifts. Shift workers' schedules may require them to work during the night, a time when we are biologically programmed to be less alert. 
because of their schedule, shift workers often find it difficult to get seven to nine hours of sleep a day. And fatigue can also be inquired if an employee works long hours or long weeks. Employees with sleep disorders have difficulty getting proper sleep, and it puts them at a higher risk for fatigue-related crashes. Fatigue can also occur if an employee has repetitive or demanding job tasks or works in a loud or a warm environment. So, since fatigue affects everyone, every day, which means managing fatigue in a workplace, can play a vital role in reducing the number of drowsy drivers on the road. Employers should learn about fatigue in the workplace, its causes, and how fatigue can lead to a higher rate of safety incidents. We also encourage employers to educate their employees on sleep health and fatigue. The causes of drowsy driving, again, sleep loss, time of day, time on task, and the signs of drowsy driving are drooping, heavy eyelids, or frequent blinking, yawning repeatedly or rubbing your eyes, daydreaming or wondering thoughts, nodding or trouble keeping your head up, and drifting from your lane, tailgating, or hitting a shoulder rumble strip. Everyone experiences fatigue during the day, which makes avoiding drowsy driving very difficult, but understanding the cause of fatigue and knowing what to do if you find yourself driving while drowsy can keep you safe. Here are some tips that can help you avoid drowsy driving. One, get at least seven hours of sleep a day, especially if you will be driving. Two, avoid driving if you've been awake for 16 hours or more. Three, take breaks at least every two hours of driving. And four, do not drive after consuming alcohol or medications that may cause drowsiness. If you find yourself on the road and feeling tired, pull over to a safe location and park. Take a 20-minute nap or make other arrangements to get to your destination. Caffeine can help promote alertness, but may only help for a short period of time, so it's best not to rely on caffeine. So now let's talk specifically about distracted driving, because distracted driving claims the lives of thousands of people each year, and it occurs when you take your mind off driving, take your hands off the wheel, or take your eyes off the road. Personal grooming, eating, trying to find the perfect radio station, or reading a text message are all common driving distractions that should be avoided. When you're behind the wheel, you should always be fully aware of your surroundings, remain focused solely on driving, and avoid all types of distractions. A distraction is anything that directs your attention away from something else. Distracted driving occurs when a driver is attempting to do one or more other tasks in addition to driving, and their attention thus becomes divided. This multitasking leads to a dangerous condition called inattention blindness. Inattention blindness occurs when a driver fails to notice a visible hazard because their attention is focused on something else. When multitasking, the driver's brain is switching back and forth between driving and the distraction, which can lead to slow reaction time and can cause a collision. So avoid any of these distractions while driving. And this is a long list, but I bet you'll find yourself guilty of them. Making or taking calls, reading or sending text messages or emails, browsing the internet, scanning social media, programming your GPS or Maps app, closing out jobs, taking photos, looking at any app on your phone, eating, daydreaming or zoning out, in addition to eating, opening food or drinks before you eat, smoking, reaching into the back seat for an item, allowing pets in the front seat or on your lap, personal grooming or looking in the mirror at yourself, bending down to pick up something that fell on the floor of the vehicle. 
Now, back to making or taking calls, reading or sending text messages or emails, browsing the Internet and scanning social media. You should never drive and use your phone at the same time. Drivers on cell phones see just a fraction of their driving environment because their attention is being divided between the road and the conversation. Drivers talking on handheld or even hands-free devices can still fail to see more than 50% of their surroundings. Dashboard touchscreens create dangerous distractions for drivers, and it's too high a price for the convenience than they offer. And even though we think that hands-free driving is safer driving, 80% of drivers believe this, but more than 30 studies show that hands-free devices don't make drivers any safer. The brain remains distracted by the conversation. 53% of drivers believe that hands-free features must be safe if they're built into vehicles. Hands-free features in vehicles can increase mental distraction. Touch screens are about convenience, not safety. So, as we said, these common tests should never be done while driving, talking on the phone. Studies even show that checking email, posting social status, ordering takeout, or as we said, texting, And interestingly enough, studies show using voice to text is more distracting than texting by hand. So vehicle technologies should prevent crashes, not increase the likelihood. Only use your cell phone when you're safely parked. Don't look at your phone at red stoplights either. That's not safe. You may be compelled to keep looking at your screen after the light has turned green. I think we've all been guilty of that or we have all honked our horns at someone in front of us who has. The distraction may cause you to miss an abrupt stop in front of you after the light turns green, and that causes a rear-end collision. And as you continue driving after putting your phone down, you may become further distracted by something you saw or read that takes your mind off the road. Here's some other things regarding distracted driving, and that is emergency fire and police personnel. That can cause a distraction. Make sure you pull into another lane further away, if possible, when coming up on emergency vehicles that are pulled onto the shoulder or the side of a street or highway. At the very least, slow down. At accident scenes, don't let those cause a distraction in your driving. Don't stare at an accident scene or what some people call rubbernecking. Avoid staring at an accident scene when passing by. Use caution when passing the accident scene, and for goodness sakes, do not look back or beside you for too long as this takes your eyes off the road in front of you and it could cause another accident. When driving through a construction work zone, slow down and pay attention. There may be a flagger directing traffic and or construction workers near the flow of traffic. And while on work sites, many things, including equipment, materials, and other employees may be present. Ensure that both hands are always on your steering wheel and you remain distraction-free while driving. Always stay fully aware of your surroundings. So here are some things you can do to prepare for a distraction-free drive. Number one, complete your phone calls and texts and emails before you start your trip. Finish your snack or your meal. And if you have a drink, make sure it has a secure lid on it. Program your GPS before you start your drive or start your playlist or cue up your audio book or set up any other electronics that need to play while you're driving so that you don't need to touch anything after you start driving. Enable the do not disturb feature so that you won't be distracted by notifications. 
put the phone in a glove box, purse, or bag, or other space that is out of reach. Before longer drives, inform your coworkers, family, and friends that you will be driving and that you will not be checking your phone or accepting calls while you drive, and then allow time to safely park and check your messages if needed. And of course, avoid driving if you're upset, fatigued, or sick. Well, folks, there you go. National Distracted Driving Month. Let's be safe out there while we drive our cars. I hope you found this information helpful. I hope maybe if you pay heed to it, it may even save your life or the life of someone else. And so we really appreciate you listening to today's show. We've got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. So please tune in again. Please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn, your other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or even the review link that's in the show notes. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Knowledge Vines Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Remember that Knowledge Vine is your dependable partner for full service human performance and safety consulting, Knowledge Vine, error reduction that works. Discover more about Knowledge Vine by finding in the show notes our website link and other contact information, including the conference discount code. Or as always, simply reach out to me on LinkedIn and we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.